So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of the last week of the NFL, NBA All-Decade Awards of the 2010s. We're going to review the success of the past seven number one NBA draft picks, the NCAA college football semifinals with the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, uh, and, of course, the NFL all-decade moments of the 2010s also that we will kind of cover and debate, along with a little bit of uh, news about Antonio Brown may be signed to a playoff contending team. Uh, but before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and Muhammad, say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Press that subscribe button. This will be the first episode of the year and of the new decade, so it is quite appropriate to cover the all-decade things when it comes to the NBA and the NFL, which is two of the main things we will be covering here. Now, the NBA All-Decade Awards have recently come out. Whether you're checking the uh, NBA, CBS, or Bleacher Report, um, but just to go over some of the All-Decade Awards for the NBA, there is the MVP Player of the Decade, which was voted LeBron. The Team of the Decade, Warriors, Coach of the Decade, Steve Kerr. The Shot of the Decade in the NBA, it would be the Ray Allen Game 6 shot when he was at the Miami Heat, and they were pulling out the ropes uh, for the Spurs to win the championship. But that, of course, changed. Uh, there's the, the Player of the Decade, uh, which is LeBron, but the Player of the Decade would be the block. Uh, the LeBron block. When he was playing for the Cavs, they won the championship in Game 7 against the Warriors. Then you have the best draft pick uh, being voted as Draymond Green as he was taken number 35 in 2012 draft for the NBA. And the worst pick of the decade has been voted as Markel Fultz, uh, the 76ers number one draft pick in 2012. The best trade, Kawhi to Toronto, Spurs to Toronto, which resulted in Toronto winning a championship this past year. And the biggest disappointment being Lob City, the Clippers, uh, who had big name stars like Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan, which all major stars are no longer with the team. Uh, so going into the question is about these uh, decade awards, do you agree with all the decade awards and who else could you see being better a better choice for the player of the decade better player of the decade there really is none uh, lebron has shown the most consistency so i don't see any debate there but for coach of the decade i don't have to disagree with that one um steve curry he basically just inherited a pretty talented team and uh kind of pushed them over the edge but as far as consistency and being relevant, it has to be Greg Popovich. Uh, he, he made two finals back-to-back, also had the the original big three with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. And then they added Kawhi Leonard onto that later on, and they got to a finals. And they stayed consistently competitive throughout that 
well, really throughout the whole 2010s with losing each of their cornerstone players year after year. And they continue to stay relevant as those players have gone. Uh, but what, what, what were the other categories? No, the shot of the decade, Ray Allen game six uh, shot with Miami Heat. I don't think there's really much debate there unless you want to debate it. Uh, didn't the, the play of the decade would be the block uh, LeBron uh, being on the Cavs game seven against the Warriors to win the championship. Uh, I, there could be other plays, but that's a really good one. Like it's really iconic. Um, do you disagree on that one? I would have to put Ray Allen's shot as the play of the decade too, because that you just shot double it up. depended on. Yeah, yeah, it depend. That really. I don't want to say it saved LeBron's career, but it definitely helped. <laughs> there oh, yeah, was a lot I, riding on that shot. <laughs> I, I completely that agree. I, well, it was a lot riding on both. That's why I think simply because uh, you just don't want to double up on the same thing. Uh, it, but, yeah, I, I would agree. It could be replaced out. But the block was iconic enough that, yeah, that could be the player of the decade. Like, it's just really no. If you say the block, you know what uh, people mean, just like the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I guess so. Um, <laughs> trying to think. I, but, I'm not sure of any other categories. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go over it. Now, uh, just to kind of go back, because I know you covered the first part. Like, uh, I could have seen, uh, just kind of go back over the first three, because you got over those. Um, the MVP or the player of the decade could have been Steph Curry. Because they said he he changed the whole generation. Of course, it had to be LeBron because LeBron completely dominated the 2010s. But uh, I would say Steph Curry has a good uh, foot in the race or he has a good uh, position in the race for possibly being that person who could have been uh, said as the MVP of the decade or the player of the decade because of changing a generation. Um but and it was only for half of the decade. I, I they didn't start winning in 2015. I agree. I agree. But it, it just because this is when it happened and that's the only current word we're going to know if somebody wanted to say they could have said that. But I agree. It's going to be LeBron. Now, team of the decade. I completely agree. It's Warriors hands down and coach of the decade. I definitely agree with you that it could have been Greg Popovich because he was a whole lot more consistent. Steve Kerr had a lot of great weapons and was gifted uh, a a, a molded team that was already molded by um uh what's the coach right before Steve Kerr? Mm. It, it's been a while. I can't remember. Dang it. Oh God. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, they're gonna I know they're killing us. Somebody knows out there. And I, I but I oh God I know it's mm, it, it don't pop in my head. Uh but we all know. People know. He, they, he molded that team and pretty much he went through all of the hard trials with that team before uh, Steve Kerr was literally gifted that team the next year with where they were molded together and went through the hardships. Then his name was is Mark Jackson. More. Mark Jackson. Yeah. Ugh, I hate that I forgot his name. But yeah, he they still owe him a championship ring out here. Uh, but um, to move along, because you already covered those, it's going to be best draft pick of the decade and they're saying Draymond Green because he was picked number 35 in the 2012 draft and he did become such a pivotal part of the team. I think there may be some other debates on that one but realistically looking at what's compared, I, him getting them being a vital part for a team for five years uh, it would be 
I guess a really good pick for that position, for that best uh, draft pick of the decade. Can you think of anybody else? No, I, I really can't think of anybody else. Uh, it's still really trying to pan out on all those other players. Agreed. And now worst draft pick would be Markel Fultz, which I don't disagree on that either. Of course, there can be worse ones, but it's about how much uh, like expectations you have on a player, and especially with Markel Fultz going number one to the 76ers. He completely forgot how to shoot. So I would agree with the worst uh, draft pick. I would disagree with that. Um, the Who guy that worse? the Cavaliers pick, Anthony Bennett, I think that's what his name was. He never really played. He went almost straight to the G League. <laughs> he was the number one overall pick, and he was True. terrible. I agree. I agree because actually that's going to be uh, coming into our next subject after this one, uh, which is about the past seven number one draft picks and like what they've actually done so far in the league. But just to cover these last um, decade awards, there's best trade being Kawhi to Toronto, so Spurs uh, to Toronto. So I'm trying to think. Actually, I would think I could actually debate this Ray Allen, uh, but uh, I, I also it, it was just such an immediate effect uh, with Kawhi that that really did become a really great trade for Toronto. Um, what was the Ray Allen debate? Well, I, I can say that uh, he got traded or was he a free agent and he just got signed to him. He, matter of fact, he didn't get traded to uh, the Miami Heat. He just got signed to the Miami Heat. So I can't. I, I really can't think of any other bigger trade. I was just trying to think of any other thing that could have decided something in this decade. Yeah, just the Kawhi trade, I guess. Yeah, so, okay, they got it right there. And the last one, the biggest disappointment, Lob City, the Clippers. And I, I had to kind of really agree with them on that one. There was a lot more uh, hope for that team, and it didn't survive. The biggest disappointment for me was the Thunder okay, not see? getting a, that, that championship yeah. with all the talent on that team. That's the okay. biggest disappointment. Okay. I, I Actually, that would be a, probably a better one because, um, like, spending over all three of those major players have won MVPs in the 10, 2010s on top of that to uh, kind of strengthen your argument. Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan hadn't been in that conversation at all. Uh, at all in the 2010s. Maybe Chris Paul a little bit. Blake Griffin maybe finished maybe thirds a couple times in the league at that time for MVP. But, uh, yeah, you, I would agree. That it, that would be the biggest th- disappointment. Really, after that Miami Heat series, the, the final series, everybody mm-hmm. thought that they had a bright future and they would win at least one, but they never got any. Yeah. Uh, so who is who has the biggest chance to be the player of the decade of the 2020s MVP of the 20, the upcoming decade? The biggest chance right now might be Giannis because he's really young, the Greek freak. He's really rounding in the form and people are already chanting MVP for him. So he might go back to back. So I, I really see him as being the next, well, the 2020s MVP. I actually agree, because even if I'm looking at Luka, I don't see it over the full 10 years. Like, he could, he really could be, like, efficiently scoring, but I don't think he makes it constantly to the playoffs uh, throughout these, this 2020s. Now, Giannis, Giannis just constantly gets better each year, and 
he shows even more that he's an anomaly when when his brother is on the same team along with his uh, another brother is also in the in the in the NBA about the same height if not t- taller than him and does not have the same skill set as Giannis. So uh, I would agree. Uh, I would put my money on it being Giannis being the MVP of the 2020s. Yeah, and was there any other categories? Uh, no, those were really the main categories, those nine. Uh, so I asked with LeBron entering the 2020s, still playing after seventeen year a 17-year career so far, could you see LeBron making any other best decade moments? Yeah, he could have one of those plays of the decade if he makes one of those iconic finals performances or uh, maybe wins a couple more championships with the Lakers. Yeah, I can definitely see him being that, uh, well, making some awards in the 2020s. Yeah, I think his time is not gone yet. He still has at least two more years at the Lakers, and I, I think he stretches it out to another three years, um, probably staying with the Lakers uh, once again, but I could also see him moving around because um, he will – more than likely have a chance to uh, play on the same team as his uh, son. Uh, and once the son gets drafted into the NBA, even though that's high expectations, I think uh, Bronny does have that ability. Um, so um, moving on to the NBA and its past seven number one draft picks. Uh, when it we run down the last seven, it leaves a lot more to want from what potential everyone thought these players had. Now, to run down the last seven number one draft picks in the NBA, there's our most recent one, Zion Williamson, who has been pretty much in recent news learning how to walk a different way and also run a different way because they want to decrease the stress on his knees, which is already a problem since he has not played a single uh, game in the NBA so far. Then you have DeAndre Aiden, who has been suspended for taking steroids. You have Markel Fultz, who has been already voted the worst draft pick, but he forgot how to shoot. Uh, in 2016, there's Ben Simmons, who's afraid to take three-pointers. And and it's that is becoming a big hindrance to the 76ers. You have Carl Anthony Towns, who's pretty much becoming a Kevin Garnett uh, for Milwaukee, what he's been. So a 2.0 Kevin Garnett, but which produces uh, talent and scoring, but does not get you to the playoffs. Um, now you have 2014 Andrew Wiggins, who's on, he's on bust alert, on possibly not being worth the number one draft pick. And then to round it off at uh, 2013, there's Antonio Bennett, uh, who you already said uh, about the Cavs, who was a giant uh lost and went straight to the G League. So out of all these number one picks, who could you see turning it around in a new decade and making a case for being a Hall of Famer? Uh, Right now, it has to be Zion Williamson because he has the most upside. We haven't really seen him um, do much in the NBA besides preseason. But in preseason, he looked pretty good. Um, But learning how to walk again (laughs) – uh, it it kind of sounds laughable because I mean, he should know how to land and walk, but that's something that we take for granted. But I, I can really see him being a Hall of Famer if he can stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. 
Yeah, I, I, I can kind of agree on that one. Um, I actually, I, I, I think that's the easy answer because we haven't seen him play yet, but it's kind of hard to say he'll become a Hall of Famer when they're pretty much going to low manage his entire career before his career is even started. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll go with a harder answer. I think it could possibly be DeAndre Aiden or Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns does have a lot of talent, and it, it just – I think he just – has to grow up a little bit more, get even more tougher and build up his reputation as he had to do when he fought Embiid just earlier this year. Um, so I, 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 he has the uh, a strong ability for being a Hall of Famer, uh, even off of just stats. Now, DeAndre Aiden, I just feel that they can possibly end up on a good role of team or where they get to go, go to the playoff a few different times. If DeAndre Aiden plays up to his potential, along with all the other draft picks they have, they're like a uh, 76ers type of team where they matched up a whole lot of high draft picks on a uh, left or popular team. So are, are we talking about, players that look bad right now that can turn it around or just all of the draft picks just all those seven draft picks who has the most uh case for like doing better and becoming a hall of famer in the 2010s because that's 10 years and they're already all in the in, in the league other than zion because he hasn't actually played uh anyway like within a 10-year period that's when they're going to be able to make their argument for the hall of fame well, it have, definitely have to be Carl Anthony Towns. I, I feel like he's the best one out of all of those players. He's already been putting up the stats. His team just doesn't win. Yeah, agree. That's why. So he's like a KG 2.0 uh, right now, which is not good enough. But it, it's just that seven of the past draft picks have not really looked good. So with all the changes uh, that are that are happening to the draft process. And not much luck with the past seven number one draft picks. Do you think the number one spot in the draft is no longer going to be coveted? I wouldn't say so. I, I think the the top players are always going to be the ones that are most wanted. You can't miss on a um, potential Hall of Famer because stars run the NBA and you, you have to get an all-star to be relevant. And that that's where most of them are. Now, sometimes you might get uh, Draymond Green later in the draft or uh, the second Isaiah Thomas, the most recent one, the shorter one. He was pretty good before the hip injury. Uh, but most times you get the best talent right at the top of the draft. And if you know what you're doing and you do really good scouting, you shouldn't shy away from the number one pick. Agreed. Um, it is going to be a whole lot harder to obtain a, a strategy to get the number one pick if you know your team is not ready yet to be uh, good. Because if you if you uh, tank now, it does not benefit you the way they've changed up the process in the NBA on how it's selected. Um, actually, it's really a mystery now. Uh, just like it was before it was a lottery pick. It was literally like pu- pulling a ball out of uh, a container of other balls to see who got the number one pick. Now it's even more unpredictable because they more randomized it even more to where you don't know that you're going to get the number one pick. Um, of course, you you know this months 
uh, at least a month before you choose the player because uh, there's a there's a selection of the uh, of what position and then there's the actual draft. Uh, but it might become not that coveted a position due to actually it's not as much problem on it because now there's rookie deals in place so that salaries don't get crazy. So that's the only thing saving possibly coveting that number one pick. Like you said, the, the best talent is at the top of the draft. Yeah, definitely don't shy away from, from the number one overall pick because you really might miss out on a Hall of Famer. Yeah, not in the past seven here, but maybe somebody out of that. Uh, it hasn't been looking too good. Um, but we move on to the NCAA. Um uh, the league right before the professional league, but this will be in football. Uh, now, recently we had this past weekend, the semifinals for the national championship, the Peach Bowl and also the Fiesta Bowl. The Peach Bowl where LSU matched up versus Oklahoma. Now, this became a blowout early with LSU having complete control and LSU winning over Oklahoma 63 to 28. Do you see there being a real future for Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the LSU Tigers, in the NFL, since the NFL has been shifting more and more to duo-style quarterbacks? Yeah, I definitely see a future for him. Um, he still has to go to the NFL and prove it, but I definitely see a future for him. He does have a lot of weapons with LSU and a very good defense. But once you go to the NFL, you most likely go to one of the worst teams who don't have all those weapons around them. Um, and right now it seems like they are projecting him to probably go to the Bengals number one overall, um, which would be a good spot I think they do have some weapons on the outside and a pretty good running back with Joe Mixon. Um, but I just wonder what you do with Andy Dalton there. So I, but yeah, like you were saying with dual third quarterbacks, they're becoming more relevant and, um, I think he definitely does have a future in the NFL. Okay. Uh, so I, I agree. There is a market. It's just about what what team is ahead and what coach is going to be heading that team. Uh, because we've seen a lot of success from the dual-style quarterback. Now, Joe Burrow threw nine touchdowns, or was it eight? I think it was nine. Uh, nine touchdowns in this game. Uh, which is quite ridiculous, but you're also playing against a college um, set of players. They're all not going to the pros. So I think there's a market, but I think somebody will regret it if they take them, like, number one. Why do you say they will regret it? I mean, I... <laughs> no, I, I hear you. It's just we all know that there's a certain amount of quarterbacks that just don't make it, even though they go high in the drafts, in the draft. And... He gives me that that feeling of being one of those quarterbacks. Um, I haven't seen much of him outside of this year, and maybe that's my ignorance of not seeing as much of him. But I still think he could possibly phase out of the league within three years. So why you saying he's going to phase out because he hasn't played that much in college or just not you paying attention? No, I'm just saying because there's a certain amount of quarterbacks that just don't make it. And I just right now, if I'm going to gamble, I'm going to gamble on a dual quarterback. 
So you saying he is a dual threat quarterback or not one? Not. He's a oh, throwing. Okay. He's a pocket passer. He's a pocket passer that uses his legs whenever he needs to. Not in the NFL. I think he'll get rocked if he tries to do that in the NFL. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll see. But there's a lot more quarterbacks doing like they're, they're dual threat only whenever they need to be. But yeah. they're traditionally a pocket passer. True. True. So there, there, there's a market. There's a future there. But it is also possible. I think it's highly possible he's also faced out in the first uh, three years. Uh, but that's always it. Just we're only going off of what we think at this point. Uh, we don't know anything for sure. But uh, since Jalen Hurts in this game, who plays for Oklahoma, starting quarterback, is uh, one of four quarterbacks in college history to end with 32 touchdowns passing 20 rushing touchdowns only seven interceptions and 3,624 yards passing joining Tim Tebow and Cam Newton uh, a new class there is there a market for Jalen Hurts and do you see him going higher than Tua there definitely is a market for Jalen Hurts. Uh, a couple of years ago, I didn't think so. But the way the NFL is kind of changing, um, more dual threat quarterbacks are uh, succeeding. So I definitely see a spot for him. But higher than Tua, no. He, he doesn't have the upside of Tua. Um, he, he's not as accurate. And he won't have as many weapons to throw to as he d- did with uh, Oklahoma. As you can see, the past couple of quarterbacks that come out from Oklahoma, they basically got their name from Oklahoma. Uh, and you, that's Baker Mayfield. That's Kyler Murray. Um, we still have to see some stuff from really both quarterbacks. Kyler Murray looked good during his rookie season, but I wouldn't say I'm completely sold on him. And same thing with Baker Mayfield. He had a pretty good first season, awful second season. So it's, for Jalen Hurts, he has to end up in the right situation. It has to be a team that is dedicated to centering everything around him and getting the best out of his abilities. Um, that be running and throwing and, you know, short passes, getting people open easily. So he really just has to get in the right situation. But Tua has the better upside if he can stay healthy. Mm. And I hate that that is an uh, issue in this situation. I actually think Jalen Hurts goes higher than Tua um, just because of that stigma on Tua. Somehow Tua is just going to drop to probably wherever Miami is in that um, in that list of draft picks. So if they're number one, he might go number one. But I think Miami really, really, really wants Tua. They'll take the gamble on him, injury or no injury. Um, so. I think he goes Tua goes as high as where Miami is in the draft, and I think they're probably going to end up somewhere. They actually they might end up a little bit lower because of their win against the Patriots uh, this Sunday, as we're going to discuss. But uh, I say, yeah, I, if if Miami's not high up there, I do think Jalen Hurts goes before Tua, and I definitely think there's a market for him. It just depends on. Uh, a coach who has a philosophy that he's going to build everything around a dual style quarterback. So in that scenario, Jalen Hurts is a top 10 pick. 
Oh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I definitely do think he goes top 10. I think there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. What team do you think needs a quarterback? <laughs> uh, the Bengals. That would pick Jalen Hurts. Well, I, I don't know. That's why I say it depends on the coach. Uh, so I have to also consider coach along with team. And some of these teams don't even have coaches. Um, but if I'm just saying who needs quarterbacks, uh, it's going to be Miami, the Bengals, uh, possibly the Panthers, um, uh, possibly the the uh, Bucks if they want to get rid of Jameis Winston because he wants thirty million. Um, it, it's it's a couple of different teams. There's the Steelers. Uh, there's the Colts. There's there's a couple of different teams who needs quarterbacks. Even the Patriots need a backup quarterback. And you think Jalen Hurts is the answer? That's hard to see. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I think it's hard to see if you don't know which coach you're matching them up with. But I think that somebody's going to take that chance high in the draft pick, a high draft pick for him. I don't think so. I, I think he'll be somewhere like Dak Prescott coming in that third or fourth round as a quarterback because they, they were very similar in a way. Dak came from Mississippi State. He had one really good season where the team was highly ranked, but I think his last season the team fell off, but he he fell in the draft. And I think they're very similar, but Dak has definitely proven himself at this point. Yeah. Uh, But to move along and uh, head to the other semifinal game that will uh, get you the matchup for the national championship is the Fiesta Bowl, Uh, the Clemson versus Ohio State. Um, now, Ohio State seemed to have control early in the first half as Clemson changes that whole idea by coming with a late game heroic, heroic to win 29 to 23. So has Clemson proven anything to their doubters after coming out on top so in such a close match? Clemson has definitely proven that they are a team to reckon with. Um, Everybody was saying they had a very easy schedule, which they did compared to most of those top four teams. But they had the same continuity from last year, uh, same quarterback, coach, and staff, uh, some of the same receivers, just some different pieces on the offensive line and probably on the defense. But there was still no reason to doubt them. I, I felt like they still had the talent to go far, and they proved it against Ohio State. Had a very close game, um, pretty exciting, but uh, LSU is a whole different animal. Okay, so are, are you saying that uh, they have proved something to the doubters, or uh, it's really just more of what people were already thinking of them? No, people thought that they were not as good as their record because they had a soft schedule compared to, let's say, Ohio State, which went against probably three or four top ten teams or something like that. Same thing with LSU. I think the highest-ranked team that Clemson went against might have been top 15, maybe. I'm not sure. But they've definitely proven that they are better than the competition that they played during the regular season. Yeah, uh, you're right, because they can only play who's in front of them. Uh, that's a they they don't make the schedule. They just play who's in front of them. Uh, so 
I do think that they've proven that a little confidence in them. It's pushed over the people who wanted to be on their side. Now, the people who don't want to be on their side, hmm, more than likely are going to think that LSU are going to extremely uh, crush the Clemson, Clemson Tigers. Um, but um, to move to the next question, if you're LSU, do you have any worry about facing Clemson with them making their fourth appearance in the last five national championships? I say you should definitely fear this team. Um, they, they have a quarterback who led them to a championship just last year. Uh, he's played very well. Uh, the, the whole team has really gotten on a roll ever since that very close game that they had against Chapel Hill. And this is the closest game since then, uh, the game against Ohio State. So I, I say definitely be afraid of this team. They've, they have a coaching staff who's definitely been there for a while and they've, they've been on a roll. Uh, but LSU definitely has the pieces to challenge them. Uh, but I, I feel like it'd be a very close game. Yeah, I actually told people uh, that this scenario is probably going to play out, even though most people were thinking Clemson doesn't make it to the national championship um, because of that week schedule. This is the Tiger Bowl. The LSU are the Tigers. The uh, Clemson are also the Tigers. They even have the same, well, some of the same colors. They have that dark purple. Um, but I think, I actually think that Clemson might come out on top on this one. I understand it looks extremely lopsided. And it's, it's just a scenario I said beforehand, before uh, when we knew who was going to be in the college playoffs, um, that LSU was going to come out on top of Oklahoma and that somehow Clemson was going to come out on top of Ohio State, which then was going to, uh, end up in a very close game in the national championship for Clemson somehow winning it uh, because it's the national championship. So that's where I'm actually leaning towards in this national championship. And I do think, yes, LSU should fear Clemson. They've been here before. Yeah, they should definitely fear them. And I'm going to have to agree that the, um, Clemson is going to win against LSU because they've been there before. They've done it. Uh, they have a quarterback with a lot of poise. He's he's resilient. Um, and I don't think I've seen LSU come from behind in any game this year. So they're going to have to prove it to me first. I agree because something Oklahoma just didn't have a defense. And it, that was proven to be true early, early, early in that game. Uh, they could have scored 70 if they wanted to. I really thought they were going to pull up, put up 70. Uh, I guess they realized they didn't have to make a statement game because they were already going to be in the national championship. But that's how bad and out of hand the Peach Bowl game got out uh, with the LSU and Oklahoma. Now that Clemson match, I really did think Oklahoma was just going to keep going and, and somehow win. Uh, but Clemson did what they were supposed to do in the end and proved that they have championship in their blood. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Yeah. So um, moving to the NFL, as we're going to cover our choices for the NFL 2010s superlatives, the decade awards. Um, now, who is your NFL MVP player of the decade? My player of the decade, uh, I mean, it's pretty easy. It's Tom Brady. He's proven it over and over again. 
And just the 2010s, he's been to, I think, six Super Bowls. It was 2012, 14, 16, 17, 18, no, five. So he's been to five Super Bowls, performed at a high level, um, made some of the biggest comebacks that you've ever seen in history, um, holds a whole bunch of playoff records, uh, has passed for multiple yards and touchdowns within the span, and really has nothing else to prove at this point. I can agree. I'm trying to remember when Peyton retired. It was early 2000s, right? No, was 2010. 2015. 15? Mm, he he wasn't that great uh, in his later years because I was just trying to think of anybody else. But I have to agree. It, the easy answer is going to be Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady, I, I'm not as the biggest fan of the Patriots as has been known, but uh, it, it's easily Tom Brady. Uh, he has been the only consistent player on the Patriots over that entire span, and they did make the Super Bowl five times. So I, I agree. Uh, just to move it along, yeah, Tom Brady is also my pick for MVP of the NFL decade. Um, now, who is your team of the decade? <laughs> well, it's pretty easy on that side, too. It has to be the Patriots because they've shown the most consistency going to, I think, nine straight AFC championship games, going to six Super Bowls. Um, no, it's five gone to five Super Bowls in that span and have had a first round bye nine years in a row, excluding this year since um, well, they had a recent loss, but they've had multiple um, Super Bowl and AFC championship appearances. So it has to be the Patriots. I just to easily agree, I would say the Patriots also, but just to kind of debate it, only ones I could see coming in like second and third, because they're still going to be second and third. Uh, I would say the Seahawks, because they made it uh, like three very great competitive years, uh, possibly when it was supposed to have a back-to-back Super Bowl. Um, then you have, I would say the the Baltimore Ravens, just due to their records in this time, uh, what. They like their actual records for playoffs, and even though they weren't didn't win, but only one Super Bowl this decade. Um, I would say they come in third for a team of the decade due to their records um, when it came to the playoffs and regular season. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I agree. I couldn't think of anybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, who is your coach of the decade? Is which is probably going to be easy. It's going to be um, Bill Belichick. But go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Bill Belichick, but there are definitely some other notable um, coaches out there. Uh, Mike Tomlin, he's definitely been mm-hmm. he's the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's had uh, multiple consistent great seasons. I don't think he ever had a losing season. And with all the injuries that they've had on the team just this past year, he deserves coach of the year uh, just for being in playoff contention. Uh losing multiple cornerstone players all within one year. So I'll say Mike Tomlin, also Sean Payton for the New Orleans Saints. He's been there for a a very long time. They don't have a championship in this decade, but they've shown consistency on offense, um, which he is an offensive-minded coach. And I'm trying to think. There might be one more. I I can't. Yeah, yeah, John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, yeah, definitely. Even when Joe Flacco was 
playing mediocre in regular season. The team still stayed consistent. Um, they always challenged the Steelers and would make it to the playoffs. Um, and they got that one championship and maybe potentially another one because this is 2019. So we'll see. But they, John Harbaugh has definitely been very good in his position. Yeah, I like that list. Uh, I really can't disagree. Uh, so I'll move on. What is the touchdown of the decade that you can remember? <sighs> touchdown of the decade. Wow. That, I mean, that's that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there, it, you can't really narrow it down to one. I, 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 there's really not just one that you can narrow it down. So many guys are making these huge plays and one-handed catches and all that stuff. It's really hard to choose. I, there's too many. And uh, Odell Beckham's uh, one was this decade, right? Yeah, that was this decade. I thought so. Okay, so barring that one just because it was a while ago, I just to make it interesting, I will just do more like a five because it is hard, like you said. Um the Minnesota one from like playoffs from like two years ago. The Miracle. Okay. okay, that's that's a really great one. Um uh I would say the Patriots scoring in overtime versus the Falcons. Yeah, that that was a great play, but there was an even better throw before that touchdown. Yeah. Uh and um let me think of any other did Beast Mode happen this decade? That beast quake, um, <laughs> that was against the Saints. I'm I think it was sure. like 2012. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was. So I would put that in there, definitely. Um, okay. Just to kind of go over a couple. So you can go over a couple if you have any in your head. I'm just going to have to agree. I can't think of any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's the best play of the decade? The it can best be offense, play. defense, anything. Um, I'm going to say just for the moment and for the, uh, the time let, that they use let it. Let me just predict it. Let me predict it. Is it the uh, interception uh, against the Seahawks Super Bowl? Actually, I wasn't going to pick that one, but now I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> that is the best play for uh, the decade, the Malcolm Butler interception. That that was definitely what were you one gonna of the go best plays. Well, let me finish with this, but that was one of the best plays ever in a Super Bowl for that moment. I was actually going to go with the the Philly Philly, that one with Nick Foles um, uh, against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I was going to go with that one because in that, that moment, was a good one. for them to go with that one, that, it that was, was, it was that, a that was really one. good. Yeah, that was. I agree. But no, it would still be the one I was saying, the Patriot one uh, for for number one play of the decade. Yeah, and people don't blame Russell Wilson enough for that. They always look at the play call and oh, this guy intercepted it and I all blame that stuff. the coach. Oh yeah, see that that's another point right there. That's that's my point right there. You're you're saying that it's just all on the coach. No, but it Russell was Wilson what, threw the ball. True, but if it was played, because this is the conspiracy uh, that pretty much this would have sealed the win. That that touchdown, and if they would have given it to Marshawn, they would also have given the MVP to Marshawn Lynch, which then would have had a non-friendly media person be the MVP of the of the Super Bowl and have to also do that commercial of 
oh, where where am I going after the Super Bowl? I'm going to Disney World. That was not real positive. That's the that's the theory behind this. That, so what they did is instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch and him being the MVP, they said, hey, let's throw us a, a, a slant inside uh, close to the touchdown. They're not expecting it. And let's get Russell Wilson as that model uh, person to be for the media, say the right things and be the spokesperson as we need a new a golden boy anyway. I really think that's far-fetched. I mean, I've heard that before, but who cares about that? You're trying to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter how you get it in the end zone. They shouldn't. (laughs) They They were overthinking it. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that uh, I I think that is actually highly likely that it was going to happen that way. But not to go too far into conspiracies from a year ago, uh, who was the best draft pick of the 2010s? The best draft pick so far – I would say Cam Newton. Cam Newton, mm-hmm. he he's definitely panned out as a, a very great quarterback, and I'm pretty sure he's he's probably not a first ballot homer, Hall of Famer right now, but he's on his way once he gets back from uh, being injured uh, and he's able to rehab and get everything right with the Panthers. I'm hoping, um, but he's definitely he's been to a Super Bowl, uh, won an MVP and has been everything that the Panthers would have wanted from him, except winning that Super Bowl. Yeah, and there are conspiracies around that also, but um, <laughs> there, there are. I'm not even going to go into it. Uh, but best draft pick, I was going to pick Patrick Mahomes. But that is a good one. I, I do think your selection was a good one, really good one. But I know we're only going on like two years of information with Patrick Mahomes, but I, I still put him as a very great uh, draft pick for this decade. That, that's really early. It's, <laughs> you got to slow I understand. I understand your reservation there. Now, uh, who was the worst high draft pick in the NFL of the 2010s? The worst pick. Oh, Blake Bortles. Ooh. He was the worst pick <laughs> that I can think of right now because I think he went top three to the Jaguars. And if you're picking a quarterback in the top five, you definitely hope he's going to be on your team in the next five years, which he isn't. Really, the, the Jaguars could have gone to the Super Bowl if he was what they thought he was going to be. They had a very great defense at the time whenever they were going to get up against the Patriots in that AFC championship game and Blake Bortles, he was the weakest point. He's the weakest link. And that's the reason why they don't have him anymore. And they went to go get Nick Foles, which hasn't pounded out so far. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I would say, because I think there's a couple of different people who could be put as the worst high draft pick, but I think uh, Johnny Manziel is the worst draft pick uh, so far. So he didn't last in the NFL at all uh, for long. He he had just won the Heisman. Also, uh, it's pretty rich. Um, went into the Canadian League, couldn't make it there. Also went to some other league, couldn't make it there. Um, I, I'll say Johnny Manziel. Uh, yeah, I like that pick, but a lot of people, it, he was very polarizing. No, some people thought, you know, he might be one of the best picks, and other people thought he was just straight-up bust. And he actually went pretty late in the first round. But Blake Bortles was a top-five pick, 
and now he's a backup and barely <laughs> on the Rams. Yeah. So <laughs> it's I mean that that's a good one, Johnny Manziel, just coming out of college. Yeah, it's it's a couple of different people who is hitting that slot. Uh, but what was the best trade in the NFL for the 2010s? Hmm. Um, I Best trade. That's hard to say. Right now, the only thing that comes to mind is maybe Stefan Gilmore with the Patriots. No, actually, no, he was a free agent. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know who really got traded. Um, I, I can't think of any. I'm really trying to think also, and we should have somebody who's a really great uh, um, trade here, but I'm, I'm coming up empty also. Like, uh, I'm really trying to think of, like, something that just became very pivotal to a team when they traded. Hmm. Uh, potentially it was Odell, but, you know, you know how that was. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but that's, mm, I don't know. Uh it would have been Antonio Brown, but he messed that up. Um, God, is this is oh okay? Hard. I got one. I got Who? one. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He he was traded. Um, okay. I mean, there's still mm-hmm. some time to tell, but so far, I, I think he's he is what they thought he was. Um, Jimmy pretty Lee. good, pretty good, but has some growing to do. But they they definitely see oh, a future with him. No, I'm so stupid. Sorry, but I found it. It's Khalil Mack. Oh, okay. But still the team, uh, I don't know. You remember he how hasn't pushed big him over that the edge. was? I agree, but do you remember how big that was that he, that John Gruden had just gotten to the Raiders and somehow he uh, ostracized his best player? And then as soon as that guy got traded to the other team, he dominated enough that they made them a top five defense uh, going from near the bottom harassed everybody. He was the defensive player of the year, I think, that year, or whether he came second to uh to um the guy the Rams, uh Aaron Sam Donald. I Aaron Donald. Yeah, sorry about that. I said Sam Donald. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald. But yeah, that's why I say out of all that you can really, really remember, I think it's gonna be Khalil Mack. But while he was on the Raiders, they had one of the worst defenses. I, I don't know if that was because of coaching, but <laughs> their their defense was terrible. He, nah, he was good in his spot, but the defense was terrible. Okay. Looking at Grand Neck, uh, it, it's, it was kind of hard looking there uh, with who's the better uh, trade. Or you could have said the Seahawks um, to the Ravens. What's his name? Or did he just not get picked up? I don't, that might not have been a trade. We'll just move on. But what's the about? biggest. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, the safety. Oh, oh. Um, I know his name. Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Did he get I, traded or did he just get picked up? I thought he got picked up. I, I don't think he ever got traded. That's why, yeah, that's why I kind of dis- – I can't remember exact situation with that one. Um, but what was the biggest disappointment in the, um, any moment? It could be a team. It could be a player. It could be just a moment. Disappointment in the 2020 – sorry, the 2010s. In the 2010s, it had to be – well, for me – the Super Bowl against the Giants, uh, the second time around, after losing to the highly mediocre Eli Manning, just to lose to them 
twice and come so close. It was heartbreaking. That's why winning that one against the Seahawks was it, it felt so good just coming back to win that one. It, it had been 10 years at that point, but we had been at two Super Bowls in between there. And that was both against the Giants. And um, Eli Manning, he just has that right that he won two over the Patriots with Tom Brady. Um, but that was very heartbreaking. Okay. And you know what? What's crazy is mine is the literal rule opposite. Most disappointing moment when the Seahawks did not run the ball and win the Super Bowl after an amazing acrobatic catch uh, and throw from Russell Wilson in that Super Bowl. It, it just it just felt they were going to win the Super Bowl. And that's why you said that felt better. Now, one of the greatest moments for me was when the undefeated Patriots lost in the Super Bowl. That was so amazing to me. That felt that, so That doesn't great. count as this decade. That was 2007. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, the <laughs> second time around, it was with... It was the Giants, uh, but they they didn't have a very, like, 16-0 and 0 record. They didn't have that. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's something. like I, I would say the most disappointing moment would still also be the Seahawks, uh, but that was your most exciting moment. Um, so it differed a little bit there. Um, but in recent news in the NFL... Antonio Brown has gotten worked out by the Saints as possibly being signed onto this playoff contending team who now has the number two slot going into the playoffs. Uh, would the Saints signing Antonio Brown make them the top contender in the NFC side of the playoffs? Yeah, I would definitely say that would make them on paper, look, make them look unstoppable. But with Antonio Brown, he just might self-destruct and be a cancer. He <laughs> just be a huge distraction. I mean, it, it all look, looks great on paper. You know, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, two number one wide receivers. But when has Antonio Brown ever been great with another number one wide receiver? Mm. I don't know. His closest was uh, Juju Smith. Smith, I can't even say his last name, but <laughs> he didn't really uh, come and show that he was a number one receiver this year when he was left alone. Yeah, so it, on on paper it looks good, but I'm really Hans not Ward, sure. Sorry, I said was he uh, playing with Heinz Ward or did Heinz no. Ward uh, retire before him? Heinz Ward might have been there whenever Antonio Brown first got there. But Antonio Brown wasn't that big of a player at that time. Um, because They're Antonio Brown actually did get to play in the Super Bowl against um, the Green Bay Packers. But I think at, th- at that time he was only like a punt returner or something. But, um, yeah, it all was good on paper. But he also has to deal with the domestic abuse and all that stuff. Um, the NFL has to figure out some of that, some of those things. So I'm not sure if he would be able to just jump straight on the team. Even I, if they do sign him, I think they will let him. It's been enough time. He's had to have some type of clearing from the NFL to rejoin the team for them to even be looking at him. Uh, it's it's been months. It's been since the entire first, right before the season started, and he had one week he played for a team, and then was right back off the team. So yeah, I do think this pushed him over the top. Because I think that could really beat out uh, the Seahawks, who are heavily competitive in this side. The Packers, it could also beat out, and it it could also beat out the uh, 
the 49ers. Uh, so, yeah, I do think this makes them the top contender in the NFC side. Um, if they do sign Antonio Brown, it's, it's just a really great pickup because if it only lasts one week and you do make it to the next round and he acts up, you just let go of him. Your team doesn't really change. And what what better of a redemption story than for Antonio Brown not to play the entire year, being uh, playing one game throughout the year, be impressive and then make it to the Super Bowl on on a Super Bowl on a playoff run. This is something you have to make a movie about. Well, the NFL is not going to allow that. They, the, there hasn't been any news of them finishing this investigation. It's only been a couple of court cases. Nothing has been decided. What I think that's going to be his argument. If as long as stuff is getting settled out of uh, in actual court, like how can you be judges of I've done something? Like all of this time, it hasn't gotten settled. I've waited an entire season for things to get settled, and I, I think they do allow. I, I just do think that does come through. There, there has to be some heads up on him being able to be to, to join the team for them to work him out. Uh, otherwise, they're wasting their time. Um, but okay. So, but how long do you see this process lasting with Antonio Brown if the Saints get to the Super Bowl? Um. Well, I, I really, I don't think he's going to be able to play. But if it if he does get on the team, um, maybe a year, uh, but not really that long because <laughs> I, I don't really see the team putting up with him. Um, I feel like they'll quickly trade him. It's a team that's well run. Um, Sean Payton, he, he runs basically everything, I think. I think he's the GM, and the, the team has had a lot of success over the past few seasons. Um, going deep in the playoffs, and they don't want a big distraction. True. Very true. Um, so um, just to move on, because I'll, I'll say this lasts as long as Peyton, uh, Peyton Sean Payton uh, makes this or lets this last. Uh, but moving on, uh, the Patriots dropped to the fifth seed playing in the wild card spot after losing to Miami on Sunday. Uh, this is their first time playing in the wild card spot since 2009. Have the Patriots lost all their advantage going into the playoffs? They've definitely lost their advantage. Um, usually by now they would have had a first round bye. Um, it's actually been 10 years since they haven't had a first round bye. So this is very unusual territory for them. Um, unfamiliar, especially with most of the players on the team. Um, so yeah, they, they've definitely lost their edge. They do have a home game again, but that doesn't guarantee a victory and they will be playing the Tennessee Titans, which is a very hot team right now, which I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and show out and maybe win that game. Okay. Uh, I do think the Patriots have lost their advantage. They don't have whole field advantage and they don't have a bye week. Uh, which would really benefit the older quarterback of Tom Brady. Um, so, yeah, I think they've lost a lot of advantage in this situation. The Chiefs have gained advantage where the Patriots have lost advantage. Uh, the Chiefs came with a late game heroic, sorry, late season heroics uh, to save their season and end up in the number two spot in the West, which they already, and I said the West, but the AOC, 
which they already kind of thought they could really were going to end up at two or th- one. Uh, they were hoping for one, but being at two is a great feat for the Chiefs team. Um, the Patriots have lost a lot of hedgeway on this one. Uh, they would, it would be great for them not have to face, uh, well, they really have to face a wild card team. So maybe they pick up momentum. But after that, they do have to face either Baltimore or they have to face, uh, the Chiefs, which both are dual quarterbacks and does give the Patriots trouble. I just think the Patriots might be able to handle the Chiefs a little bit better. Well, if they do win, they would definitely play the Chiefs because the way the NFL works, the number one overall seed takes the lowest seed that wins in the first round. And then the second seed takes the highest seed that won out of the wild card round. Yeah, so they wouldn't even face them. Okay. Uh, But since we're going right into the new decade and we're here today, today is the first of the year in the 2020 year, uh, which team are you putting your money on to win the first Super Bowl of the decade? Right now, um, I would say the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I I feel like this is the most well-rounded team that Aaron Rodgers has been on. Um, He hasn't put up the stats that you are used to see, used to seeing him do. Uh, But I feel like this is their year. Um, It's actually been about 10 years since they've been to the Super Bowl. They've always come up just a little bit short uh, being in a couple of NFC championship games. But I feel like this year is their year and they will come out the NFC and come out on top in the Super Bowl, no matter who it is on the other side. So you're saying the Baltimore Ravens? On the AFC? No, I'm just saying who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl for a new decade? No, I said the Green Bay Packers. Oh, you said the Packers. Oh, I didn't even yeah. hear your answer. Wow, that's that's uh, I didn't see that being the answer. I see that being the Baltimore Ravens. I really do think the Baltimore Ravens come out on top of this, or I can also see the Saints uh coming out on top. I would love for the Seahawks to make that run, but they just don't seem to be fully equipped uh to make a Super Bowl run. Um, so which looking back at the this NFL regular season. Which team was the biggest disappointment? The biggest disappointment was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Everybody was looking at them as a Super Bowl caliber team. They had a lot of talent in their team, and they still do. And actually, they just recently fired their head coach. So hopefully they can get things back on track next year. But really got ahead of themselves by saying that they were going to win the Super Bowl without even playing a game. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would say the biggest disappointment, you said the Cowboys, right? No, I said the Browns. Browns, sorry about that. I don't know why I'm uh, losing track here. But, yeah, I would say that is a big disappointment. But I think the biggest disappointment this year would be the Cowboys. Because with all chances of them still making the playoffs, uh, they they gave up every single chance to to actually win the division. Somehow, some way, the Eagles come out by winning against the um, Giants this Sunday. Even though the Cowboys blew out the Redskins by a lot, made an empty statement for no reason. But they, they have to be, be the biggest disappointment as Jerry Jones has such great hopes for them and everyone else does also. 
Yeah, I can't disagree with that one. Um, I, I think both teams were really similar in their situations, had a lot of talent on their teams. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to have to change over and say the Cowboys. They had a lot of talent. And the Cowboys have one of the biggest fan bases, and they have the most hype around them coming into the season. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so which player going into the season had a lot of hype surrounding them and did not live up to the expectations? A lot of hype was Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he was ranked as one of the top 50 best players on the NFL's, the top 100 players of 2018. And he did not live up to that. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be left off of it for 2019 because he was terrible. He definitely re- regressed. He had a lot more talent on his team and that came with a lot more turnovers. He, he was terrible. Um, I feel like he really got a big head and didn't really focus on the process. Went out and did a whole bunch of progressive commercials and thought he made it, but he hasn't made it yet. Okay. Uh, There's a couple other people I could say I was quite disappointed with. Um, These are like the lower tier ones. I would say I'm disappointed in Phillip Rivers and where the charges ended up by the end of the year. Um, I can also be disappointed with how pretty much how the entire team of the Cowboys have performed. So I can't really say individually Dak or I can't say uh, Zeke. It's just weird in the situation. I can't give it them any specific player there, but I absolutely have to agree when you say uh, Baker Mayfield uh, because he was he had 20 different versions of a commercial out here and the team just constantly came up empty and mostly due to his leadership or he could say the right things, but he was not doing the right things on the field, uh, actually getting them producing wins for them. Yeah, he was terrible. <laughs> it was inexcusable with all the interceptions. Maybe it was the play calling, but um, he he put all that on his shoulder. He He put the pressure on. And it looks like he he likes the pressure, but it, it didn't work out in his favor this time around. Yeah, he needs an extremely great turnaround season next year to get any more face out of the out of other people. Because uh, right now he's a joke um, when it comes to how people look at him as a actual football player. Now, uh, who is the most improved player over the NFL season? Most improved, I would have to say Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, after last season, he he got injured pretty early on in the season, but he was playing absolutely awful. Um, he had a rough start to this season um, in 2019, but he's really rounded into form, and um, the team is doing pretty well and feeding off of him at this point. Um, and he can really lead the team to a deep playoff run with uh, their very versatile running game and um, very good wide receivers in defense. So I say he is the most improved player for 2019. That's a really great vote. Um, I couldn't think of many other players. Like, you could say Lamar Jackson, but he was already on that upswing. He just took it to another level this year. Um Outside of that, maybe Christian McCaffrey, but he was already on that route. Uh, so it's not 
It's the only reason why they don't fully qualify is because their talent was already listing at that point. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he 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 came through in the critical moments for San Fran. He he really was the chill personality and for the team uh, when it came to them being down. Or you you always felt he needed to prove something, but for some reason he still came out on top uh, in a lot of situations with San Fran season. So. I can I can definitely get on the boat with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being the most improved player for the NFL season. Yeah. Um, so nobody else. <laughs> you don't have no. anybody else that can fit that. Not really. Like uh, I can't really give it to anyone else because uh, all the other players are really they were already on the upswing to being that type of. Uh, player, no receiver really stuck out to me this year. Um, all the quarterbacks that really excelled this year, other than Jim Garoppolo, didn't produce. Uh, like what you could say, Drew Brees, but Drew Brees been doing this. Uh, you can say, like you can say the people who did good, but it's not. I, we what maybe we can say is uh, um, what's his name? Uh, James what's Winston. He? Maybe oh, we can say yeah. Jameis because he, he did better. I, I know, I know, I know. He threw a lot of interceptions this year, extremely amount, but he did 30. improve. Yeah, he did improve. That's crazy, but he did improve this year. So that's why it's really easy for you, which when you say Jeremy Garoppolo, that was actually a really good answer. 30 interceptions from Jameis Winston. That's unacceptable. <laughs> It is just unacceptable. Think it, he just think if game. he got rid of 10 of those, they would have been in the yeah, playoffs. They would have because the division really sucked. Uh, Falcons didn't come through. Uh, Panthers uh, had a down part of their season and really didn't have a starting quarterback for the most part. And the Saints went ran away with the division. Yeah, that's, that's unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but – that really rounds it off, and this is the first episode of the decade of the 2020s uh, with So You Think You Know Sports. We will be growing. We will be giving you more information. Uh, now, we're going to the last part, which is the questions part. Uh, your guess is about as good as mine. Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer them and give you a little bit of commentation uh, for what I do know about uh, whatever the subject is. So, Muhammad, you can go ahead with the first question. Which of the following NBA teams drafted Andrew Wiggins? A, Cavaliers, B, Timberwolves, or C, Magic? Wow. And I think most people would know this, but this is only people who probably pay attention to basketball. I know I know this uh, answer because I'm going to tell you why I know the answer once he repeats it one more time. <laughs> Go ahead, Mohamed. Which of the following NBA teams drafted Andrew Wiggins? A, Cavaliers, B, Timberwolves, or C, Magic? Okay. Now, he currently plays for the Timberwolves, but he got drafted by the Cavaliers. And what happened is LeBron decided to come back from the Heat to the uh, Cavaliers. He wanted to build a team. Well, that year, the Cavaliers had the number one draft pick and they chose Andrew Wiggins. What they did was they traded Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love to come to the Cavs. So, yeah, that's why I know it's the Cavs. That is correct. (laughs) Yeah, so go with the second question. All right. Where did Anthony Davis play college basketball? A, Kentucky, B, 
Kansas, or C, Duke? Ah, oh, you picked all blue teams. So, so that could confuse somebody if they were just <laughs> thinking of what kind of jerseys were I looking at. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I know, but uh, you repeat it one more time, question and answer. Where did Anthony Davis play college basketball? A, Kentucky, B, Kansas, or C, Duke? And those are top, top, top tier basketball schools. He played for Kentucky. Hands down, it's Kentucky. That's correct. (laughs) So, uh, number three, which of the following NFL players was not a number one overall pick? A, Michael Vick, B, Aaron Donald, or C, Miles Garrett? Mm, this is a little harder. Mm. Dang. Sheesh. No commentary. Uh, yeah, I know. I, it's it's kind of hard. Like, I, I just don't, because I'm pretty sure Vic was number one, but I'm not fully sure. Um, go ahead with the question they asked one more time. Which of the following NFL players was not a number one overall pick? A, Michael Vick, B, Aaron Donald, or C, Miles Garrett? I really think it's Aaron Donald. I'm not putting my official answer in, but I feel like Miles Garrett was the number one pick for the Browns and that Michael Vick was the number one pick for the Falcons. It may be a trick question, but I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. That is correct. Ah, wow. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, you, made me, you made me sweat on that one. I, I really couldn't fully remember on that one. Yeah. Um, Aaron Donald, I can't remember what pick he was, but I know he wasn't number one. I think one. he was like number three. I feel like he was number three, but I'm not absolutely sure. Uh, let me look it up just real quick. Oh, oh 13th, 13th. 13. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. This has been So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, you're, we'll catch you next week, which we give you the updates on what's very exciting in uh, NBA, NFL, and college. And we'll meet you each week on Wednesday of the 2020 year. Happy New Year.